Greetings, Grandstanders! Welcome to a, another fine edition of Grandstand Podcast. It's been a while. We, we, uh, we haven't been uh, skirting our responsibilities, Pistol Pete. We just, you know, we, we had to, the professor and I had to, you know, reconvene, uh, reboot, re- restructure, etc., etc. But we're back, so... Apologies for uh, the absence, but we're back now and uh, ready to go at it again and continue pontificating and exploring the the many beautiful aspects of uh, being in the grandstand. But before we get into all of that, let me introduce my partner in crime, my associate, Il Professore. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing doing pretty good. Um, Doing great. It's a beautiful, beautiful day out here in, in the city of uh, of St. Didicus. Day, huh? Or night, day, whatever you want to call it. It was, I guess, is what I meant to say. How was Philly? Good, good. Did you, did you get to do any anthropology uh, observations while you were there? Uh, did you, any insights in the grandstanding? Did you see any, catch any hints or notes of it? Um, sporting grandstanding, no, not, not quite so much, um... But the well, shit. The fact that you ask anthrop, I I went to. They have a museum at the University of Pennsylvania, um, the uh, Museum of uh, Archaeology and Anthropology. The fucking phenomenal museum. Oh my god. Awesome. Yeah, I, I and I'm not really. I don't really like museums, um, <laughs> at least uh, a lot of them. And uh, this was one that I absolutely loved. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so I did. So li- literally, actually uh, looked at some anthropology, but um. But so yeah. no, none of the no, you weren't anthropologizing uh, the fans because Philly fans are are pretty notorious for being uh, hardcore. No, well, no, uh, you know there there was no sporting going on, but as far as the the, the people of Philly, definitely I I I was had my uh, observational eyes and ears tuned in. It was a, a very interesting city. Um, yeah, I liked it a lot. Awesome. I heard it was the new Brooklyn of uh, New York. <clears throat> I, 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 well, parts of it, yeah. Parts yeah. of it, definitely. And speaking of Brooklyn, today's today's guest uh, spent some time out in Brooklyn. Uh, today we're going to talk about the amazing and intriguing sport of basketball. To me, intriguing to me because I know nothing about it. Professor, would you put yourself in that category? Would you say you you know more about basketball than I do? Yeah, I, I haven't followed uh, the sport in in quite a while, but um, uh, there is a time where where I definitely I was, I was a big fan. So we brought on um, today's guest to kind of to break it down for us because he's actually uh, been a devoted, dedicated fan and also a, a player, and he's also a rapper. And a beer connoisseur. 
uh, who, who spent spent some time in in uh, Brooklyn, and now he's back here in St. Didicus. Uh, without further ado, uh, BR3000. I heard they call you BR3000. What's that about? Or Brett3000? Is that your rapper name? Um, no, I, I don't even know where the rapper thing is coming from, to be honest. But uh, uh, Manny gave me the nickname BR once upon a time, and yeah, you know. The years pass by and it all becomes a blur with the origins of things. So, uh, you know, just uh, some people call me BR. Uh, I forgot to mention that he's also a, a, a quite a, the, the fine writer. And, and I've been trying to get the professor to relay a message to you that you need to uh, do, do write a piece for us uh, to put, put on our blog. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to do that. I've been wanting to get back into it. Uh, Spend a little too much time bartending, not enough time writing these days. So, hoping to start going down that route more often once again. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us to talk about basketball. Um, you know, I was doing some uh, re- trying to do some research on on your on on your posse, the Manny, Ryan, Rafa. All, uh, who am I missing? P. All, all your friends. Your your. I, I see you guys as the. This posse, I was trying to find out. I can't believe you guys didn't have a name for your group. Do you recall <laughs> ever having having a, a, a name or anything? Uh, there was like some sarcastic nicknames for uh, the first couple apartments we lived in. The very very short lived. I believe the first one was Apartment Thirty Social Club. Then from there, I think we went to uh, another shitty apartment in La Mesa, and it was uh, Apartment Sixty Three Antisocial Consortium. But. Uh, you know, this this was maybe known amongst three or four people, and uh, it's one of those things that sounds funny to you when you're 19 and 20. Right, and I also heard another one, which man, uh, professor might have to edit this out, but uh, cute guys with big dicks club. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound familiar, but I, I can't really place uh, the etymology of that one. <laughs> well, thanks for being here, um, Br. BR, let's call you BR today. Yeah. Although I've heard uh, the real BR for Brooklyn too. Where would that one come from? <laughs> that's uh, I don't know. That's, I was on the Pods Pod, uh, wonderful local podcast, and um, that's I think the nickname I was given on there. I I don't uh, I don't think I christened myself on that one. Well, in, but in the San Diego um, sports talk radio scene, there's there's Billy Ray Smith BR. Ah, and so you know, ah, so to okay, so, okay, but but you know that's Billy Ray Smith BR, you know former Charger, whatever. Uh, the real BR is is the BR we're talking to now. So you know the real BR from Brooklyn. <laughs> Got it. I like it. Real BR from Brooklyn in the house. So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, um, your your history, your affair with basketball when it started. Uh, tell us about when it started and, and why you got into it. Why that sport? So I think I started watching and playing somewhere in the at the age of like five, six, or seven, the general area. Um, just immediately, like I think as soon as I was old enough, I joined a rec league, like San Carlos Rec League, and then played there for you know as long as one can play there as a as a youth, maybe ten years, whatever it was. Um, my dad would take me to uh, STSU basketball games at Peterson Gym when I was a kid. When back when they were like fucking terrible and would win like four games a year. Um, and uh, I can't remember his first name, but Trankel was the coach, and his like the team was so bad his son could play. Who was just like fat redheaded kid <laughs> who just 
sucked really bad. Brady <laughs> Tranklink was a kid's name. Uh, so, yeah, I remember going to those games before the, the Cox Arena or VS Arena days. And I was kind of obsessive uh, about my NBA fandom as a kid. Uh, um, just would collect, like, basketball cards and hats and jerseys. And um, I, don't, I don't really know, like, what, what sparked the whole thing. But I was definitely, like, a fanatical uh, NBA fan as a kid and played you know pretty much my whole life i definitely have not played as much the last couple of years i just haven't lived in neighborhoods where pickup games are convenient or easy to find but it's yeah it's been both watching and and uh playing been going on for yeah since i was probably like five or six it's interesting because well you grew up in san diego correct yeah, San Diego suburbs, and, and there was no there was no basketball team here. And I attribute I was talking to the professor about this earlier, and I think we've mentioned this on this on the show a lot. Um, part of the reason why I would say that I attribute to me not following basketball uh, is one that I that we didn't have a team, and then also that my father really didn't follow basketball. Um, it's interesting. Why do you think it was you were just drawn to it naturally? And then the second thing is, tell me, tell me who your favorite team was. Who did you follow? It changed a, a bit uh, over the years, but the first team I remember following and like really being in love with was the Phoenix Suns, and I think a large part of it was Charles Barkley. Uh, he was my favorite player growing up, and you know remained that way over the years. And I just loved their early '90s team with Dan Marley and Kevin Johnson, and I remember just being like heartbroken when they lost to the Bulls in the, like I think it was the '93 yeah. Finals. Um, but I, I don't know, I guess as a kid, my allegiance just kind of shifted around. I kind of followed where Barkley went. I mean, I guess after that, it was just the Rockets and he was done. Uh, but I also liked the Sonics a lot and the, the Gary Payton, Sean Kemp days. Uh, but somewhere, somewhere in the late mid to late nineties, I don't really know what spawned it, but I started following the Sacramento Kings and that remained wow. my team to this day. It's pretty random. The only thing I think is like my family did like a trip to Northern California and we spent a few days in Sacramento and I liked Mitch Richmond. I remember like growing up, but I, beyond that, it's really hard to say what, what started it. But, um, yeah, that became my team. And unfortunately they still are to this day. Uh, and I really? can't, I can't even watch a fucking game. Oh, I hate them. I, I hate, I can't watch their games at all. Cause they're, they're terrible. And like, it's like, um, it's watching like, uh, uh, like a high school basketball game to me. Like, I mean, they're not that bad, obviously, but I, from where they were like a little over a decade ago when they were like challenging every year, they were a contender every year. Um, and just beyond just being a bad team, they just don't even have likable players. It just <laughs> complete shit show. So I, I don't even watch them even though they're my team. I have like kind of de facto teams that I, I follow in a, in a lesser sense. And I, I'll watch their games cause they're actually fun to watch. Like I enjoy watching the Spurs, um, the Warriors, and even though they're not particularly good, the the Bulls and the Knicks as well. Professor, did you play uh, basketball in in middle school, high school? Like, did you shoot hoops with your friends? Yeah, 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 definitely in middle school. Um, the, dude, actually, this is what's uh, I met Br on a basketball court. Hmm. That's right. BR, yeah. do you remember that? Uh, I remember your story about it. And I just, I knew, I knew at the time I was spending a lot of time at that, the rec center there playing like after school. So I feel like I met a lot of people from that little circle of friends there. 
So I don't remember like the day, but I remember like the time period in general and meeting people at that basketball court. Yeah, so I, I vividly remember the, the day I met Br. Um, it was it was through our friend City Sack, and um, <laughs> and so uh, it was on the basketball court uh, in San Carlos at the San Carlos Rec. Um, yeah, I used to love playing, and 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 what's funny is is I I got into basketball from uh, NBA on NBC, right. And so, right. and I still remember the, yeah. And so, um, and it was just because, yeah, my, my dad didn't watch, but like no one in my family watched basketball and, and it was just a random on a like Saturday or Sunday it came on and, and I was drawn to it and, and, and it was the Knicks who were always, the Knicks were always shown like that was the team that the games that seemed to always be played. And, um, at least from the, the the feed that that we would get in San Diego, and um, yeah, from that that point on, I, I I was into basketball, I was into the Knicks, and um, but then I, I kind of it was also kind of like a following players type thing, really like David Robinson and Hakeem Olajuwon and people like that. Hakeem the Dream. Yeah. Uh, I asked that question because as I was preparing for this episode. I played a lot of basketball when I was a kid, especially when I was in uh, elementary school and middle school. Recess time, that was my go-to thing to go do, was to, to shoot hoops and to play basketball. And then even in high school, I had a friend who we'd, we'd play one-on-one, and I played it religiously every day in the afternoon after school whenever I had time to play. Um, it's a really fun game to play. It's just interesting that it never, for me, it never transferred into into full devoted fandom, you know? Um, I definitely, because I love sports, I think I would watch it. To that, basketball lends itself really well to playing, like, as kids, uh, uh-huh. as opposed to football, f- right. uh, football, baseball, soccer, any one of those. Like, uh, it, with basketball, you could literally play with two people. You can play by yourself. Yeah. And, and you can play by yourself. Fucking ball. Yeah. Yep. You don't need yeah. to buy anything other than the ball itself. Right. And and it's pretty. It's like such a simple, like simple. It's like I think uh, Rafael Palmer once observed that that basketball is, is is appealing. Its appeal is that anyone can walk in to a anybody from anywhere can walk in and kind of like within a few minutes understand basically what's happening. It's just like put the ball in the hoop, you know, and then put put it back in the other hoop, and then just go back and forth. It's pretty. It's pretty pretty uh, beautiful design in that way, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, rem- I remember what I was going to ask. The other thing was, the, I, I remember Mar Marv Albert. I was just, wasn't he the announcer? I mean, his voice is is like synonymous for me with uh, with basketball, is. right? He's still there. So so yeah. here are all these things that I that I grew up with, but I still never it never it never it never uh, transferred over to full on fandom for me. And then yet another thing was, I played a lot of basketball video games too. And that was, I guess, another one of the factors, Professor, that we talked about. Like, basketball brings in, or video games bring in fans, right? Yeah. Uh, I remember playing uh, Jordan versus Bird. Um, what was what was the one where the where they had the big heads? The NBA, the basketball NBA Jam. Yeah. No, it wasn't NBA Jam. It was uh, it was like a knockoff of NBA Jam. I think it was like called NBA Heat or something like that. I might be wrong about that name. But it was definitely it was like in the style of NBA Jam, but it was like basically biting it and adding big big heads. <laughs> so, 
Are you typing an essay, Professor? No, I don't know. What, what is that? What was that? <laughs> uh, that? That was probably me searching for the name of that game, which uh, <laughs> it's, it's not going to happen. He's, he's like making lesson plans for Monday. Um, so I thought somebody's like stomach is grumbling. So, okay, so so let's 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 uh, let's move. So here's so the only last thing I want to say about that is that it. It's a game that is it's you can play it's it's ubiquitous it's everywhere you can play it anywhere and I feel like it it's 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 accessible and somehow you know it, it skipped me and that's kind of and and sort of and to a certain extent it skipped you professor and that's kind of what why we've been wanting to have this episode because it's it's kind of like this very big deal major sport that that needs that needs to be discussed and 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 hopefully uh, BR can can guide us through it. And after reading and get, and like I said, preparing for this, how I did not become a an obsessive basketball fan is just, is just blowing my mind, and it, it's I can't I can't really put my finger on it. So you 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 said before we started the episode, we are that you mm-hmm. kind of follow soccer more than you do basketball now. Can you tell us what that's due to? Yeah, it's I don't know. It's hard to say, but I, I kind of consider them on equal pegging. I do watch a little more soccer, and I guess I do play a little more soccer, but at least in terms of playing, I feel like it just there's more convenient pickup games near me uh, that I know about, at least. And basketball's a little hard to find those, uh, at least in the last couple places I've lived. In terms of fandom, though, <clears throat> I guess soccer, like, I grew up playing it. I never really watched it much growing up aside from like the world cup and big things like that. But that I think partly was because us TV rights, there wasn't really anything on except for those big tournaments. That was the only right. thing you could watch. Um, and then there was a, a number of years where I had stopped playing soccer. And so like having not been playing or watching, uh, it kind of fell out of my, uh, my view a little bit. And then, it, I think it was the 2006 World Cup that really got me back into it. For whatever reason, I was like religiously watching every match I possibly could. And um, shortly after that, started playing again after several years away from the game. And um, yeah, it's been like a decade now where um, it's kind of built and built, but like it's it's like um, borderline obsession at this point to where like any day I'm off work and don't have anything like I have to do like one of the first things I do in the morning is look to see like what games are on, uh, <laughs> whether same. it's like, dude, whether it's like, uh, Premier League, Champions League, yeah, Bundesliga, yeah. I'll watch several different Anything. leagues. I can find a game that I'll, that I'll be entertained by. Um, and yeah, it's kind of like, it's a ritual too. Also like, so be morning, uh, yeah. To the lay person, it seems like, there's an overlap between basketball and soccer. Would you say that's a uh, that's like a, a fair assumption to make that the games are similar I mean, in the in the way they 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 like visually in the sense that the way the defense and the offense moves when when with regard to scoring and defense. Would you say there's overlap or is it just seem that way to yeah. to me? I mean, yeah, to an extent, you're going you're going down a, a rectangle and putting a ball into a net uh, at the end of the day with with teammates, uh, I guess, and, and passing and shooting. So I mean, there's definitely core similarities. Um, I don't I don't feel like I can expound upon that in, in a profound way, but I definitely feel like yeah, there's there's a lot of basic similarities between the games. 
it's interesting because basketball to me seems the I would say it's the most cosmopolitan of the American sports, meaning like it's the one that I think has has the best chance at 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 having like worldwide appeal. Would you agree with that? Of the I would say four, of the big four of the big four of the big of the big four American sports. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's it's hard to make an argument for for any others other other four. Uh, it's certainly not going to be hockey, uh, right? And football's in decline, so. Yeah, I mean, it kind of seems like the safe choice amongst the American Four, at least. I read somewhere that you know, it, as far as the ball and sports is games are concerned in Europe and in in Asia, they, there's cricket. So, like, trying to put baseball into uh, uh, into that into that market is difficult because people already have a ball and a ball sure. and bat sport. And then, as far as like football, like American football or NFL. There's rugby and soccer, so it's kind of hard. Like it's hard to to break into that because there's already a, a market for that. But there's nothing really quite like basketball, like in Europe or in Asia. So it's kind of it's it's a it's a very in a unique position to essentially to export it. And then uh, I was I was reading also that the NBA is very is very progressive with updating and changing its rules of of gameplay. Because it, because it, it, it basically it's always looking for ways to improve, uh, uh, like the entertainment aspect of the game, right? Mm-hmm, right. And and it's and it does it sometimes to its own demise. And of course, you know, yes. me being a traditionalist, I, I I tend to be one of those people that is going to be the first one to say, "No, don't change it. What's wrong with it?" You know. So 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 the NBA has has changed its rules, and I and. Last I read or last I heard, they changed. They allowed for zone defense. Is that sound accurate, true to you? Whereas before, yeah, they didn't allow zone defense. And apparently, yeah, it was to appeal to times. the European game. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I can't remember exactly how long they implemented it, how long ago it was. I feel like it's been close to a decade now. It's been a while. Um, and, yeah, I, I think it makes perfect sense. Having any restrictions on the type of defense you can play just sounds – absolutely silly it's like telling a soccer team they can only play certain formations or you know just dictating the style of play is is absurd to have that in the rule book so i think it makes perfect sense in terms of just like just freedom of coaching tactics you should be able to do whatever you want to do in that regard i i didn't really think of it at the time that it was to appeal towards like the european game but um it makes sense and i think it came about at a time when like you know the usa national basketball team which is you know always been so dominant they started losing like they had a couple times where Mm -hmm. like they came in Mm -hmm. second or third place in the Mm -hmm. olympics and i feel like they're starting to acknowledge okay like the game it's it's bigger than the u.s there's great basketball teams uh beyond national teams great leagues in places you know like uh turkey and spain and Mm -hmm. it's time that we start acknowledging that and i mean this day you know the nba is uh one-fourth of the players are international um, so you, you really can't deny it. Um, so I mean, yeah, that probably, I didn't think about it at the time, but yeah, it probably had a lot to do with, um, trying to respect the international game and yeah, realizing and that it was stifling to an extent on, on coaching strategies. And some players didn't like it. One of those was Kobe Bryant. I heard him or I read something about him being upset that this emphasis on like, uh, the zone defense and, and also sabermetrics or, 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 or using, 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 uh, using, uh, can we call it sabermetrics? It's not, that's, that's, I'm using that as a general term for, 
for data, right? Data driven, data driven uh, uh, tactics, or etc. Anyways, he he's one of those players that considers himself old school and didn't doesn't like it. And one of the points that I read was that basketball thrived because it was a sport that did like it, it, it's 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 glory came when it when it was basically allowed for individual expression, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's what that's what made it that's what made it that's what elevated it to what it's kind of become now. What it's become today is that you had these individual players that were like the natural scorers that would do really amazing things, you know, the the, the ballet as they say. And that that's what kind of what made it appealing. And according to him, it, this this new this the the new change that the NBA has implemented has 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 taken the power away from that kind of player and is changing the game. Do you feel that way? Is, did, did do you think that contributed no. to you getting away from it? No, not at all. I, I still feel like the individual uh, aspect is still there um, in a major way. I don't think it's gone away at all. I think today's game you have so many individual players that have unique games uh, from Steph Curry to LeBron to Kawhi Leonard. You might not have, I guess Kobe's probably coming from, from a different perspective, but I think you still, you still certainly have a lot of, there's, there's no way you're ever going to be able to take that out of the game. I don't think regardless of any rule changes you put in, there's always going to be players that rise above whatever is the current status with, with, you know, in terms of defensive rules, whatever rules come into play, that's never going to change the way, the fundamental way the game is played. And the fact that some players are going to be once, once in a lifetime or once in an era type players, the way uh-huh. Steph Curry is, um, there's, that's nothing's ever going to take away from that. And I think that's still what appeals to like a lot of like kids too. Like when you think of like younger, like teenagers who follow basketball, like a lot of them are, they're way more into players than they are teams and they'll like get super excited to watch Damian Lillard play or, you know, fucking Anthony Davis, whoever it may be. I, I still think mm-hmm. that's that still drives the game in a very major way. And yeah, not, none of the rule changes have really done much to undermine that. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. I'm, I'm glad you feel that way. Cause as I'm reading that, I, I, I think that would suck because I, I do like that yeah. idea. And, and so, so you think there's enough of a legacy there that whatever they do, it's not going to ever undermine the emphasis on the individual, which is, was yet another reason when I was reading this and I went down the rabbit hole of YouTube videos of watching all these players. I'm like, what, how is it that I've been not following this? And it, you know, I, this, this might be a cliche to say it and compare it, but it was like listening to jazz. So it's kind of something I spent a lot of time doing and I'm like, <laughs> Oh, I get it. The individual with the collective working together expression. I'm like, damn, like how did this escape me for so long? Mm-hmm. Professor, you want Jabbar made the same comparison. <laughs> See what I mean? Sorry to cut you off, but Kareem oh, no, no. Uh, Abdul-Jabbar made a documentary like maybe ten years back about the intersection of jazz and basketball. I'd never got around to watching it, mm. um, but it had a really funny title. I wish I could remember it. Stephen Colbert was cracking jokes about it at the time, <laughs> uh, called it like a jazz abrasion or something. But yeah, anyways, God <laughs> didn't mean to. to no, no. Now I have something to look forward to. I'm going to watch that film, <laughs> Professor. Anything you want to chime in uh, with regard to this topic? Um, well, two things. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, dude, I didn't know that he – man, I can't – he wrote something not recently but maybe like a few years ago on an issue. And I – man, I wish I'm, – I'm just 
saying this now because you just mentioned him, but um, I didn't know he's he's a sharp dude. Yeah, you sent me that article. It was uh, it might have been from Time. Okay, Time magazine. Yeah. Do you remember what uh, it was about? Whew, no, but I bet it was. I'm trying to think based on the time. I feel like it was after a spate of police shootings, but I, I can't really remember the details. <laughs> I'll, I'll go through Gmail later and we'll, we'll put in the postscript. <laughs> but as far as the dude, individualism in basketball, I wonder if um, how you feel about this, BR, because I noticed something amongst basketball, like not professional basketball players, but like amongst friends and uh, people who, who I would play with. I felt that basketball players were the most self-centered athletes of all of all athletes so the joke was i would always ask some a basketball player like hey what do you how what do you think of that player and every <laughs> single time they would be like ah, he sucks oh he's garbage he's garbage like seriously dude every since <laughs> and, and, and i'd like i'd i'd tell a friend like hey watch this i bet you if we ask him like what he thinks of so-and-so player he'll say he sucks and and that was like the thing like basketball players always thought that every other basketball player sucked. And I always like just found that fascinating. Like, what? like uh, and it would, whether it be because, you know, because of their form or because of something is like, ah, no, nah, like his, his form's ugly. Um, and I was just, I always just found, found that interesting. Um, it, was that just me or, or is there any truth to that beer? Did you, have- I think there's some, there's some truth to it. I, I feel like ego is is a major part of all sports and you you can find within any major sport someone who will trash everyone else around them and say they're the best but it does feel like basketball is a little bit above the rest in terms of uh the egocentric nature of it and the wanting to be the best i guess part of it is an individually brilliant player in basketball can dominate a game in a way that a player cannot in any other team sport you think of even the greats, like whether it's Ronaldo or Messi, they can have amazing games. But in an 11-11 on match, on a pitch that size, like it's not possible to dominate a game in the same way a player right. on a like when they're having a hot night, when like Steph's on from three, or like you know when when LeBron's having a big night, they can dominate a game in a way where they can carry their entire team and like just obliterate an opponent. So I think the capacity for individual greatness within a team sport is, has the highest capacity within basketball. Um, and so that could be part of it. And also I think many referring to like, this was back in the day, right? When you do, when you ask those questions, yeah, like you yeah. were saying like middle school or high school. Yeah. yeah so I, I remember that, that feeling like I was just playing like whether it was at the rec or playing like at lunchtime and like, yeah, like everyone, I mean, got so many ball hawks, you know what I mean? Like everyone mm-hmm. wants to be the, the star. I feel like yeah, that's there is definitely an element of that in basketball that's that's um, maybe not there to the same extent in other major team sports. That's a good point. Which was it was cool to watch all of those highlight videos, and that's something I kept thinking. I'm like the the size of the of the playing area lends itself to to an individual really thriving in in it, and then for those highlights and for that and for that the 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 myth of that individual player to grow because of just what you just said you know and it was it was very entertaining to sit and watch um, these youtube videos of these incredible like feats of athleticism
Can can one of you guys explain when I if if I say uh, a granny shot? What is a granny shot? <laughs> Two hand, underhand, uh, usually done on a free throw. And who usually? It's like yeah. Uh, would you ever? Show, I, oh, I mean, everyone's done it. Everyone's right. done it at least comically on a basketball court once or twice. But like, it's uh, it probably started like in the '30s or '40s or '50s. Like that was way back in the day when someone like would do that in a genuine way. And I think just people who grew up playing basketball have just like a knowledge of it being like an old timey thing and will like fuck around every once in a while on a basketball court and do it just to be uh, goofy. It's kind of like nowadays if someone does it, it's kind of like a dad joke. <laughs> That's probably the best way to put it. Professor, so, have you ever taken a granny shot? Yeah. Um, I think yes. a gra- granny shot is it, – it might be the first type of shot you ever take. Like ever. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Literally, it's, like, it's easier to get the ball higher because to get more, it's, uh, Yeah, it seems like intuitively, it just feels like that's that's the best way to do it, um, especially if you're like a four year old or something. So, so yeah, can I tell you guys? Do you guys know who Rick Barry is? Yeah, there's this guy who shot his free throws granny shot style or underhanded. Okay, and he was at one point when he played the guy who had the highest like percentage from the free throw line he had he had one season where he missed nine free throws only um because apparently according to him and according to people who understand kind of more the physics of the game this is actually a much you have a much better success rate if you shoot if you shoot it if you do a granny shot during free throws so much so that um wilt chamberlain you know the guy who who uh who scored a hundred points in a basketball game? Yeah, he that that night he scored thirty two points by doing granny shots, but he was notorious uh, granny shots from the free throw line. But he was notoriously a really horrible free throw shooter, and essentially somebody convinced him to go granny shot. And that night he was shooting granny shot, and and um, he basically uh, abandoned it. Because he like because of the same reason that we all just kind of said, but isn't that fascinating? That like this thing that is like this tried and through tried and true thing that works and that we've know works, but that that uh, we 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 don't the the basketball the basketball players don't do it. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying, Manny, about this this show off uh, that they're always talking shit about each other. So it was it was this really fascinating story that I read about. Basically, we know that the granny shot is is better, but we like nobody nobody wants to try it because it's just. It's I don't know. Just, you can, you can make the argument that it's better. You can say that it's effective. You can have to say that. It's that there you go. Effective. 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 Uh, but I think yeah, just there's no way at this day and age. <laughs> like, uh, dude, these dudes' uh, style is important to a lot of a lot of guys, and even if it was proven effective, and like they knew they could, like guys like DeAndre Jordan, if it was shown that he could make more free throws that way, I feel like he still wouldn't do it. Uh, that reminds me of the thing I wanted to mention earlier. You're talking about like changes to the game, rules that they're trying to do to improve the game. One thing that's been proposed the last couple of years, but it hasn't come to pass just yet, and I'm praying it doesn't because it oh, this would piss me off so much as a basketball fan. So you guys heard of the phrase hack a shack? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it came into play like whatever, 10, 15 years ago, like Shaquille O'Neal was a terrible free throw shooter. And so if you're in a close, close-ish game, say you're down by like five points against the, the Lakers, 
the idea is on defense you you intentionally foul Shaq so he has to shoot two free throws because he'll probably miss both and you get the ball back and can you know mm-hmm. come back. Um, and so that that's uh, become a strategy over the last decade plus. And so with some of the game's worst free throw shooters, like today it's happened a lot to DeAndre Jordan of the Clippers. Uh, he gets fouled a lot in late games. And so – and he still – he hasn't gotten any better. He's still a dreadful free throw shooter. So oftentimes they'll take him out of the game just because they know the other team's going to foul him. And they're like, well, we wish – we want him in there for defense, for rebounding, for alley-oops and stuff. But we know he's a liability on the free throw line. And so the NBA, for players like him, there's like a few other like centers, um, game-changing kind of centers, where they're terrible at free throws, but they, it's best for the coach to not put them in the last few minutes right. because the hack-a-shack thing. The NBA is considering changing the rule to where like if you were to foul a player like that in the hack-a-shack scenario where it's not just two free throws, you get two free throws and the ball out of bounds, which is like – you're catering to these guys. Oh, the big guy can't make free throws. Let's fucking, <laughs> let's, let's make it easier for them. I if they if they pass that rule, dude, I'm going to be disgusted. They like almost to the point where I want to be like, oh, I can't watch this anymore. But if, obviously, that's not going to be true. But uh, that would be the one of the worst rule changes in the history of basketball. And I'm praying they don't do that. And that was what they told Will Chamberlain. Like if he could, if he if he could, so basically, he was a liability. The same, the kind of like Shaq was and. And 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 that apparently, if he had just done granny shots, he, he would <laughs> you would you would just you would you would mitigate that. Um, professor, would you change your style if it meant being more successful? Um, no, well, not if it meant do, having to do granny shots. That that'd be, that'd be too embarrassing. Too corny. Yeah, but but um, but but Br, it's, it's, it sounds like you're complaining against um you know being sensitive toward the, the big guys like as if like are are you saying they're like like overly sensitive snowflakes that are being coddled <laughs> is this well, part of like this... a larger problem in our culture or? <laughs> no but if this rule passes if this rule passes they are being coddled that, that is coddling to big guys who can't hit free throws and that just like it goes against the nature of the game itself like you, you're going to change the game because the guy isn't good at one aspect of the game, and like it just seems like a thing that's like done for like ratings. It's like, well, DeAndre Jordan's like one of the two biggest or three biggest stars of the the Clippers, and people love watching his alley oops. We need him in late in games for exciting moments, so we can't have him out for strategy for strategical purposes. We have to have him in the game. It just seems like some bullshit. Like marketing thing, like it, it just it does not go with the, the nature of the game. It, it wouldn't make any sense for that. It's often I don't know. Oftentimes these rules I think are not for the better. Um, that being one of the main ones. I, you know, so far it still hasn't passed, and maybe it won't ever pass. Like there's a lot of announcers during games. It's like oh yeah, we got to change this rule. We got oh it can't keep going like this. And it's definitely not exciting to watch. Like when it's late in the game and like three possessions in a row, three possessions in a row, you see like the the big men get fouled and shoot free throws. And like obviously that's not good for entertainment value. But I guess if you're just if you're worried about entertainment value for like this small little thing, which like over the course of like a four quarter game, like that little bit at the end, that's not really affecting the entertainment value. Like no one's going to turn off the game because that's happening, you know, in the last couple of minutes. I think that's bullshit. One rule I love though, that came into effect uh, a couple years ago for a long time, Jeff Van Gundy had been lobbying for uh, players, like whether it be like a yellow or red card system for like taking Ooh, dives yeah. or whether it being a fine thing. So it ended up being a fine, which was like obviously, you know, fits in more with the, with the 
with basketball. So uh, players who take like blatant dives when the uh, it gets reviewed, like there's a there's a board that reviews these things. If it was deemed a blatant dive, they get fined for it uh, afterwards, which I think is brilliant. You know, it doesn't happen very often, and honestly, I can't remember the last time I heard of it happening. But like at least in the first year or so after it got implemented, I, you'd hear about it, and uh, I, I think that's fantastic, and that should definitely happen more. And that's all Vladdy Deepak's fault for his bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, but that's hilarious. So you. You love I, well, I hate the sound of that. No, because you like the art of deception. I know you, you like you 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 do that as like a part of the game. Is like if you can dupe the referee, that's part of like. I he's like open, had a conversation he's openly acknowledged that he likes cheaters. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I would never go that far, but I, I I certainly I clap silently when he says that. So. I happen to be more in the in the professor camp. <laughs> I think we just like the drama of it. Uh, so you mentioned all these rule changes, and it's it's kind of like adapting to its to its audience, and that's something that the NBA, like repeatedly, people talk or the 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 people who write about this kind of stuff are always saying that part of its success and its its continuing success is that it does adapt and that it does change and that it does modify to its to the needs of its audience um and and the nba is a business after all and it has to grow and and, and you know as the, the 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 american culture doesn't have like a a hegemony over things quite the way as it did before but I think, ironically, it, this, this, this sport that is eventually going – I think – I personally think basketball has potential to, to compete on a global scale someday with soccer, especially if the NBA has, is, is shrewd in its way that it, 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 uh, it, it, it markets the, the game, right? Um, and, and, and it's a quintessentially American thing that it's a willingness to adapt maybe – Maybe ironically, what uh, makes it grow and become so big because it becomes global. Um, so, so there's this, there's this, um, there's this, this story about the the sponsors on the the sponsorship logos on the on the on the jerseys. I just want to kind of give a little background on on. I think the the first the first professional team to ever have a sponsor logo on their jersey was Liverpool. And this happened, I, I want to say, like in the '80s at some point. And you know, the it used to be that the teams paid, like uh, the manufacturers of the jerseys, like Adidas, they would pay them a fee to to wear their jerseys. But then the teams got really quick, really smart, and they started making their own stuff. And then they realized when they started making their own jerseys, Adidas came knocking on the door and says, "Don't make your own jerseys. We'll make them for you, and we'll pay you some money." And then somebody got really smart and said, "Well, shoot." We'll pay us money to to outfit us, and then we'll have the 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 Carlsberg Brewery allow them to put something on the on the jersey, and we'll charge them a fee. Um, and that's kind of the story of of branding on uniforms. And teams make lots and lots and lots and lots of money off of that uh, um, in the in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Is is that what's is that the way that so NBA is is kind of taking the lead on this one? Although it does happen in the MLS, there are sponsors, but the NBA again is innovating and is allowing logos. How do you feel about logos on jerseys, BR? I mean, I hate it in the way that I hate pretty much everything marketing and advertising related. 
Uh, it seems inevitable. Uh, I'm not surprised that it's happened really. Uh, yeah, it's just a bummer. I mean, I can't really make a great argument against it because it just seems so inevitable. But um, it's at the very least very aesthetically displeasing. Um, it just – and also like when I think of like all the, the ugliness of the world, I do think of marketing and advertising as a large part of it. And when I'm watching a game, like I always turn away from like I don't watch commercials and like just right. to be able to watch the game itself, you don't want to feel like you're being advertised to as you look at a player like dribble a basketball up the court or, or the you know soccer ball up the field. Um, yeah, it's just a bummer. It's an, an inevitable bummer, I guess. That's the way I could put it. <clears throat> I mean, on, on the NBA jerseys, from uh, from what I've seen, there there are these small logos like on the right. uh, like on the like kind of on the shoulder on the right. chest, right? Right. Which I guess you know maybe that's like that's the start. But um, soccer jerseys look ridiculous, dude. Like you know, some of the most popular soccer jerseys in the world. Are just have, this are just this big like fly ca- emirates ca- Qatar and fly emirates like so everyone's just walking around with airline <laughs> like, logos. My favorite is Bimbo, the Bimbo bread brand. Like, bimbo bread. Put, like how can you take anyone serious that has a thing that says Bimbo on this on their uh, jersey? That I also is... read that you know Sega sponsored Arsenal. And uh Sega like when when Arsenal went to play a game in Florence they had to cover up the Sega because in, in Italian, Sega means masturbation. Oh, no way. Yeah. It's funny because, like, in boxing, seeing logos on, on trunks um, just seems normal to me in boxing. Like, mm-hmm. I, I doesn't – like, I kind of – like, I notice it, but it's it doesn't really bother me. Um, seeing ads on soccer jerseys, it just looks funny to me. And uh, and so now seeing the the ads on on the on the NBA jerseys, um, they're they're so small that it kind of seems like well you know what that's kind of you know shit what's the difference between a Nike logo right. and a, and a right. General Electric one you know right uh, but but yeah that, that's like that's probably just the start it though, right it seems Even like just a, a handful teams right now okay must be teams that don't get a lot of TV time because I can't remember like. I've watched a lot of games this year, and I can't remember seeing it. I feel like New Orleans is one of them, but uh, I can't remember seeing it. The Sixers, <laughs> good, I guess, so far. The Sixers okay. have StubHub on there. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, well, they're also never on TV. <laughs> the Kings are the, the Sacramento Kings have uh, diamond diamond growers. They're the people that do like the almonds and the nuts, which ah, okay. is kind of fitting. I, this is something that I thought was interesting. In the in the Premier League, when they started with sponsorships, typically it was the sponsors were, were local. There were local sponsors. That's why you had a lot of beer ads in the beginning, yeah. because because it was you know you have like Carlsberg sponsored um, uh, uh, Newcastle, you know, <clears throat> and and that that like that kind of for some reason I'm not as offended by a beer logo for some reason maybe because I like. Because I, I don't know, I see when I see a beer logo, I see I see joy and pleasure. So maybe it's just like subconsciously doesn't doesn't bother me. But anyways, um, Diamond Growers is 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 kind of like that's kind of the 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 a lot of our nuts and you know come from 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 that part of the, of California. So it kind of makes sense. It's kind of like the local aspect of it would be would that bother you less? Any of you guys less if yeah. the Padres had. 
uh, Stone Brewery on their jersey? Yeah, I think it definitely lessens the blow. I still, I'm still not for it, but it lessens the blow, of course. It'd be a little more charm to it, right? It wouldn't be as vulgar. Yeah. And I mean, if, yeah, if it was like versus like a multinational corporation, like maybe, yeah, something local that and maybe doesn't do something like insidious, but I don't know. It's also just, I think of the aesthetic of it though. I mean, have you guys seen Atlanta United's jerseys, the new MLS team? <laughs> no. There are these black and white, I'm sorry, black and red striped kits, and they look like they'd be really awesome. I mean, it's a simple enough design. It's been done by a lot of teams. The trim is gold. And they're really awesome jerseys, but it's got this big logo across the chest that says American Family Insurance. And it just <laughs> so it's so fucking corny. It looks so terrible. And it's like you look at the kit and like you can kind of like squint your eyes and see what it looked like without it. Like, man, that's a really great kit. They did a great job. But the the logo in the center just completely fucking ruins it to me. I and think that's, that's so what I'm kits. most insulted by. Yeah. <laughs> you got this beautiful shirt and then you put a stupid logo on it. Um you ever looked at a Cholo's jersey? That's got that's like yeah, that hurts my yeah. eyes, man. Waldo's no, Waldo's Calimax <laughs> Carl's Jr. And you know, people pay like a hundred dollars for these shirts. <laughs> Dude, but yeah, that that's exactly <laughs> the part that trips me out, right? Like um yeah, so so buying a, a Madrid jersey that you know, with with an with a Arabic airline like just plastered on the the very front, like you know, it, it does. It, it, you would imagine it make you think twice. Like, man, do I really want to spend a hundred bucks on this? And you're a fucking billboard. Yeah. Which I think I could probably. Well, the only dude I was gonna say, I, th- I think I could probably say I've never worn a jersey that's just one big billboard. But I have. There is one jersey I own. And coincidentally, it's a jersey you own, BR. I uh, remember we played for that soccer team um, oh, where yeah. we were sponsored by A&M Construction. Yeah. <laughs> Construction like tra- Company. No, a tra- tractor supply company? Yeah, tractor. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. This big tractor uh, with like a Mexican phone number underneath it. <laughs> so that's the one jersey I have that's that's one big ad. Yeah, man. Well, I still got that. I think that's the future, and I think, again, the NBA is leading the way, and I, I think I already said this, but how, how come I didn't become an NBA fan? And I think a big, huge part of it is that there was no NBA team here. After having this conversation, I'm, I'm, I, I'm convinced that I would have become an NBA fan or a basketball fan, and here's why. My father was not a Charger fan. And I eventually became a Charger fan. Football was not my, – my father still, you know, to this day, he, he really got into the Chargers. He would still ask me – like he would still ask me he, – he didn't understand the game, you know. And I had to kind of learn it and then teach him about it um, and only because we had a team. So I, I'm, I'm feeling it. I have a feeling if the Clippers had been here, we would have been going to Clippers games at some point. Uh, so now that the MLS is trying to come to San Diego – and Professor and I propose, uh, BR, that we'd be the first outdoor uh, NBA uh, locale. First of all, tell me what you think of that idea as one. And then two, um, the more and more I hear about this MLS thing uh, uh, coming to San Diego, the more and more I secretly wish and the NBA uh, comes here first. What are your feelings on that? Mm. Man, um 
Well, I think I, I just think of the practicality of it. And I, I know we have no chance in hell of getting an NBA team anytime soon, if ever. It's just never going to happen. I'm pretty sure it's never going to happen in any of our lifetimes. So you didn't win the outdoor for- stadium proposal. Oh, I think it's awesome. If we were in a league in need of help, like a league that was kind of like floundering, uh, like say we were like Major League Baseball and we needed like some help for ratings and stuff, maybe that'd be a good gimmick. But um, I don't think the NBA needs anything like it. I don't know. Uh, I mean, if we got a basketball team before we got a soccer team, I would still be very happy about that. I, I think I'd be stoked either way. But um, I'm more into the idea of the uh, the ring of barbecue pits at the MLS stadium, to be honest. And having goals celebrated by throwing the barbecue grill onto the field. Hey, honestly, though, what do you think about the barbecue pits around the the field? I I mean, I feel like if Don Garber has half a fucking brain, he'll he'll green light it, like as soon as he hears about it. But I just feel like he's gonna like think about safety of the players and like you know drunk fans and whatnot, and like probably be cautious about it. But. uh it's, I mean, kind of what the game needs. You know, we MLS has not caught on with a huge amount of people in the U.S. yet, at least outside of the cities that have teams. Like, it's still considered um, pretty, uh, pretty minor on the on the sports landscape. So, let's let's start getting. Uh, if we're going to get gimmicky, let's get good gimmicks like that. Fun gimmicks. Yeah. Why yeah. Not gimmicks? So it makes me think of two things. One is I've been thinking a lot about conversion, like like when you when you convert to another religion. And uh, I, I, in, I've been thinking about this because of little Mo. And yesterday, Rafa said that when the Raiders come to San Diego, he's going to get a Raider tattoo. Um, so then, of course, a whole long then the entire night was taken up by this argument. And as the drinks, like we 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 we, pretty, we got pretty 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 toasty and we went out and this this was the topic of conversation at every bar we went to and it was either like this overwhelming like fuck the chargers yeah i'm gonna become a raider fan or people just like saying you're disgusting i can't believe you would ever do that so conversion (laughs) (laughs) conversion is is on my mind right now but there's two types of conversions that i'm thinking about one like converting like meaning like you go from being a a, uh, a Brooklyn Dodgers fans to a New York Yankees fan or a uh, Raider a Charger to a Raider fan. But then there's the conversion from from one sport to another. So as I'm hearing you say this, BR, yeah. to me it sounds like your conversion went is like uh, from basketball to soccer. What would it take for you to return to your first religion, to basketball? Or is that, uh, that, I mean- is that past? Are you now? I, I, I mean, soccer has overtaken basketball a little bit, but I don't feel like I ever really left basketball. I've always still watched it and played it, and still been a fan of it. So it just like one has taken precedence, but it's like um, it's uh, yeah. No, it's it's hard to say that like I left it really. So it's I don't know to to like like it more than soccer though. I don't know. I guess. Um, There'd have to be a lot of stories like of uh, CTE coming out of soccer and like uh, players like throwing their girlfriends onto couches full of guns and like punching them in elevators and stuff. Then maybe I'll like soccer less. So the behavior of the players would push you to the. Okay. I like that. I like that. I'm speculating there. I like that. Professor, what would it take for you to go back to wrestling? 
Um, for it to be real. <laughs> so in in Brett's example, I'm thinking it, it would be like so so you're you're still always going to be Catholic in some way or another, Professor, even though you may be not practicing or or maybe practicing some other religion. But he, do you like that analogy? Do you think it fits? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But in your case, you're saying the only way you'd ever return is if if everything about this other religion that you followed changed, like you stopped believing in the Holy Trinity or something like that. Is that what would have to happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. So is is it just us getting older? And then this this is kind of what happens to grandstanders as you get older, and the games the games that we love evolved no longer uh, fit the models that we're used to. And really what's happening is we're just getting old and not really the games are still as awesome and as amazing as incredible. Or is it really something happening? I personally think something is happening. I think statistics are going to kill sports. And mm. if we don't stop them, they're going to fucking take over. And before we know it, we're going to, we're going to be like, what the fuck just happened? But that's just, that's just like my, I I I'm, I I fucking can't stand statistics and the and the weird shit that the byproducts of it. I'd say if anything, it'd be a combination of statistics and fantasy sports. But I still, if you know, if you're just tuning in for a specific game, you can avoid that to an extent. It is still largely possible to watch uh, a soccer, basketball, any other game. Maybe not football, maybe things so like just and watch the game itself. You'll have an announcer throw a stat at you. It's like, oh, he's the first player ever named James to score 36 <laughs> points on a Wednesday with four rebounds. And they'll throw some shit at you like that. But I mean, aside from those little random bullshit tidbits, like you can, you can kind of avoid it, I think, still to an extent, um, at least as a spectator. I mean, if you're like diving in head first and watching it and like watching sports and everything, it probably is overwhelming. But I, I try to just watch the games as much as possible and avoid all the all the other like commentary shows around it. Yeah, yeah, I th- I, th- I think statistics are just they're they're opening up a whole new, if not opening up a, a whole other sport, like uh, they're opening up a whole other game for people to play, um, beyond the sport itself. But I think to what you were saying earlier of of us getting older, I think that's the big thing. Is is I think as as we get older and as we are in di- in just kind of different chapters and phases of our of our lives and become more jaded. And, yeah, and become. More, I mean, that's part of it. Um, uh, f- for those who do, um, th- it's it's uh, we just we spectate differently. There's a there's a there's an idea that the the lifespan. Or the life cycle of a sports fan, and I, I think I've mentioned this already in previous episode, is it starts when you're very young. You you get really into something, a, a sport, and then you <clears throat> you somewhere you you follow it obsessively, and then in your twenties, early twenties, you're still connected, and now you have a little cash to actually go to the games, and you you really participate, you really are engaging with all the elements of it. And then somewhere after 24, 25, you like most 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 men in particular drop out. They they don't they don't spectate till about their mid thirties, which is typically when they start to have families, you know. 
and then and then you return to the sport again because you you introduce your children back to the game yeah. and it's and that return serves as like a reconnecting to it and for me that like with my 7-year-old daughter <clears throat> I I I've become a statistic because I I I find myself reconnecting to baseball and it's almost like I'm returning to this idea of of um of 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 a history or a, of, of a memory that I have of it, but it also, while I sit there, I I I think, damn it, it's not the same game that I grew up watching. And then the last thing I want to add about that is, Professor, you and I were talking about uh, the absurdities and realities of the Donald Trump America, especially with regard to the data mining that they're using to basically uh, rig the whole entire narrative. Right? Remember that conversation we had? Yeah. And you and you kind of wisely pointed out, um, you know, maybe this is just a new reality. And this is kind of like we we are going to have to adapt to whatever this is. We have to adapt to it, you know, as sinister as it may seem. And maybe this is just the way it's going to be now. And and maybe there's I, I really that really that really cut deep to me with regard to my grandstanding. And I thought, man, maybe I just need to shut the fuck up and accept it for what it is. And and. Once I return to it, I, I can, like, if I stop being such an ass and so cynical, I can start to see the beauty again. I definitely feel like uh, getting older can affect the way you appreciate the game and the way you relate to it. But, uh, shit, man, I don't really have anything uh, big to say on it aside from uh, let's, let's get these logos off the jerseys. And, uh... <laughs> Bimbo. That's my favorite. Uh, I just want it to be one flat color. No numbers, just you know, black color, no name on the back, and uh, everyone throws up the court stoically, and there's no facial expressions. <laughs> um, everyone has to get their tattoos removed. Um, <laughs> the coolest guys are the guys with no tattoos now. Exactly. Seriously. They're the outliers. Those are the, yeah. those are the outliers, the cool Who, ones. Who's got funkier hair, basketball players or, or soccer players? Ooh. Soccer, soccer still hasn't beat. Yeah, basketball's trying to catch up in the last few years, but no, soccer overall, soccer definitely hasn't beat. I think. Look at fucking uh, El Shawar, uh, El Shawawi. Yeah, <laughs> shit. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I hate that guy. <laughs> no good reason. I got a question. Uh, back to the NBA for a second. Uh, do you feel either of you were affected in your fandom towards the NBA by um, just the lack of Mexican-born players in the league over the years? Great question. Great question. There's only uh, been a handful. Yeah. And Mexicans love to play basketball. Like, I remember as a kid going to Tijuana and playing basketball. There was basketball courts, and they were into it. But I'm sure that really played into it, the fact that, Mexican as a as a nation, they're not very they're not very prolific in basketball. You know, uh, what do you mm -hmm. think, Professor? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, consciously, no. Like that's never been something. You know, like I've consciously said, like you know, there's no Mexican players. Yeah, I don't like it. But um, well, I mean, yeah, because you get you get it in baseball. You don't get it in football either in the NFL. But but I think the only thing there is is was the fact that there was a local team. I mean for, for me at the end of the day like that could the the lack of uh of Mexican players could have played a role but um but more than anything really it was just the, there not being a local team to root for. 
So along those same lines, let's say there was a uh, local team, but not San Diego. There was a Tijuana team, but they were called the Tijuana Whiteys, and every player on the team was white. Would you root for them? <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah, that kind of sounds like the coolest team ever, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because we're, we're talking double minority here. Like the, This mm-hmm. is the one case where, where the Whiteys would be a minority, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that could have been like an XFL team or something. <laughs> I really love that idea. So maybe we should push Hangron to have the first ever Mexican basketball team, uh, like NBA team on the Mexican side. Okay. That that might there was work. A, there was a, maybe there still is, a, a, a minor league basketball team, I think called the Tijuana Dragons. Yeah, Los Dragones. And I think... Uh, yeah. I think Rodman played for them briefly, if I'm, yes. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? So, Brett, who who should I follow? Yeah. What sh- what team should I follow? Well, in terms of just sheer entertainment, oh, the Golden State Warriors, man. But absolutely, last couple of years, I can't comprehend what I'm watching. I mean, I've been watching basketball my whole life, and I'll watch a Warriors game sometimes, and um, it's like you're watching, like, uh, in certain video games, you can, like, at least back in the day, I haven't played them in recent years, but like you could create your own player and your own team and you can yeah. give them like unlimited attributes. You can make them a hundred in every category and they're all hundred and threes. And it's like, you're playing this custom made video game team where everyone is like perfect and makes every, like they make these fadeaway threes from like 35 yeah. feet. That was um, just the way that Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and now Durant, specifically though, Curry and Thompson are just, um, well, it's the best backcourt duo, the best shooting backcourt duo in the history of the game. And it's just crazy that it's going on now. And so I try to watch as many games of theirs as possible because I know I probably won't see anything like that again in my lifetime. Um, and it just, it's like watching a video game sometimes. And it's, uh, it's pretty fucking mind-blowing. So I'd say if you're going to watch any one team in terms of sheer entertainment, the Warriors, if you're going for the long haul, though, the Spurs are very... They're like the Zen team. They're they're very uh, it's very entertaining to watch them in a different way. Just in what Popovich has built over the last couple of years, this um, team first mentality where everyone who comes in there buys into the system. And if they don't mm-hmm. buy into the system, they you know they wind up gone in a couple of years. But um, they make the playoffs every year. They win usually like sixty games a year. Uh, that's you can make cool. a good case that he's yeah. You can make a good case, and actually, LeBron made this was quoted saying this like a month or two ago before a game. He said, "Yeah, great Pop- Popovich is the best coach in the history of sports," and uh, I I'm inclined to agree with it. I'm sure you can make cases for a lot of other people, but uh, certainly in the in the game of basketball, I think you can make a very strong argument for him being the best coach of all more time. More so than more so than uh, than than Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson, yeah. Oh well, I mean you can. Obviously, you can always say Jackson has more rings, so Jackson's better. But uh, if if you're willing to look beyond that as the defining point, I think yeah, I think you can say Popovich. Uh, Especially since he has Popovich. like a system and a philosophy, right? Whereas and it's always been with one team, and also like you know Jackson came into situations a couple times where he was taking over teams with you know superstar players, like with you know sometimes two or three of the best players in the game. Uh, Popovich has kind of built it all. Like he's he's been there that whole time and like built it from the ground up and like you know cultivated these draft picks and players from the D League, players from overseas. And um, I feel like 
yeah, it's been it's a more comprehensive success that Popovich has had versus obviously a define probably a major defining point is always going to be championship rings. But I, I do feel that Popovich. I mean, whatever. It's probably a useless argument either way. But I do feel like he has a, a little edge over Jackson in the overall regard in terms of the, all the things he's done to, to build that franchise. I'm into it. Now I have three basketball things. So I'm going to start watching uh, Warriors games. I'm going to learn about the Spurs. And then I, I, I have a serious man crush on R- Russell Westbrook right now. Oh, he's the man, dude. How can you not like watching? Yeah, that's another thing this year. Turn on any Thunder game, and like you're gonna like see history, man. Like crazy. And, it, and it's mean, because he's... it's my only one and only NBA game I've ever been to was a Thunder game, and okay, and I got to see him play, and I I kind of I didn't make I didn't put it all together till just recently, but I have a serious man <laughs> crush on on Russell Westbrook. Like I think he's my favorite athlete right now. Yeah. Cool. He's he's up there for me too, and like the fact that there's a lot of like just jabroni sportscasters that like to hate on him still, saying like, oh, the reason that the Thunder with with Durant Westbrook never got anywhere is because right. Westbrook was selfish. So he'll score forty points, but he'll also have like fourteen assists, and they'll say, mm-hmm. oh, he's so selfish. <laughs> I, I can't comprehend that argument. Westbrook is the shit. I've been watching him since um, since he played for UCLA. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the day, I used to watch college basketball to an extent. I. I think that was right when I stopped, like, shortly after Westbrook and that crop left, I kind of stopped paying attention. But, oh, dude, he's been the shit for years. He's having you definitely one of, like, the best individual seasons in the history of the game. I mean, he's yeah. going to pass. Uh, he already did. I, I've been following him the last couple of weeks. But, like, if he hasn't already, he's going to pass Oscar Roberts in the single-season right. triple-double record. Right. And, oh, my God, dude, it's mind-blowing. I watched a game of theirs a couple nights ago against um, – in a completely different era, I read. In a different yeah, era yeah. style of play, which I'm Absolutely. really that I'm really fascinated by, like learning more of the the, the evolution of the style of play. Right. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I'm glad we waited this long to have this basketball conversation because I think a lot of things needed to happen before that. It, it came at a perfect time um, uh, because. I my entry into into jazz was Miles Davis and he had a saying that said you know he, Miles Davis was known for he wrote a song and it was a so what right so apparently people would say people would say really cool shit to Miles Davis or they try to like say something really cool that was insightful and he, I guess he would just cut them down and just say so what you know like like what what the fuck is a big deal right and I I always thought that was so cool and and I I learned that Russell Westbrook has a saying where he says, um, they ask him why he did something and he says, why not? So I see, I see basketball in my future professor. What do you think? Yeah, I like that, man. I mean, it's, um, I see basketball and as we've said time and time again on the show, um, in, in America's future, it, it is, it is destined to be the number one sport. I think it's interesting, you know, with BR here, um, uh, I foresee it being soccer and, and basketball dueling it out mm-hmm. ge- generations uh, in the future. Mm-hmm. Look out, soccer. That's it. We're out. Get to work, cabrones.
way to dribble up and down the court. Just like I'm the king on the microphone. So it's Dr. J and Moses Malone. I like slam dunks and taking it to the home. My favorite play is the alley. Ooh, I like the pick and roll. I like the give and go. Cause it's basketball of Mr. Kirch's flow. Everybody get up, it's time to slam now. We got a real jam going now. Welcome to the Space Jam. Space Jam. Here's a chance to your dance at the Space Jam. Space Jam. Space Jam. Space Jam. Space Jam. On demand. Should kill on your Kazam. I used to be a fan. Then I saw Airbud going at it again. Nosing in those layups, never doing no slams. Uh, ain't no rule, said a dog, can't play basketball. I was such a fool, watching all my future ashes fall. Now I understand, it's time to take a stand. They said I'd never make it, but I know that I can. Forget my fellow man, I believe in Ayn Rand. When Dallas shrugged his shoulders was the day that I ran. For president of Thailand, I banned flip-flops. Threw everyone in jail, now they sleep in their socks. City never sleeps, but I'm ready for a power nap. Calling Euro's job was still it's time to take a power crap. Roman streets naked in an apron in the shower cap. Stimmer to the void, eating kids from the sour patch. I'm a glass empty.